today. The Irish, they know how to do it right. Biden's buying his votes. And sometimes you need frustration to get a little revelation. All this and more on the Self-Evident <laughs> Podcast. Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. You got your guys, Mike. You got Messi. What's up? He and I are just having a laugh about this first story. This you're going to have a laugh. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. But first, before that, we got to get all the junk out of the way. Go to the selfevidenttruth.com. Get yourself some merch. Get yourself a t-shirt. Don't forget to buy Become Forged, the book, and leave a review. Courses. Courses. We got constitution courses. We got we got vaccine mandate courses. You probably don't need that, but we got it for you. And we are coming out with all kinds of new products for 2024. We got big plans. So please different think, plans. Think of different plans. New ones. Variety. Yep. We've got plans for you. Creepy politician voice. <laughs> this is off to a We got plans, Fox. Fox. It's, uh, anyway, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> Did you see that comedian? He goes, no. gosh, he goes, you want to root for the guy. But like, he goes, what I love is at the end, he turns into a Roomba after every speech. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh I, I picture him like. Moving forward on the stage? Nope, coming back. Dude, he's moving like, over here. <laughs> coming back. Roomba. Looking around. <laughs> and it's it's like a Roomba that has a short circuit That's in the right, middle of it. Right. Because what, all what, of a sudden Biden goes <laughs> and then somebody comes and leads him by the hand. So <laughs> anyways, if Biden's your guy, I'm sorry. We have a news, a year-end newsletter we want you to check out. Go to the website. Check out the year-end newsletter. It's going to give you all the things we did this year and all the things we're going to do next year, as well as our budget ask. That's right. Guys, we are going to expand what we're doing, and we need the finances in order to do it. If you have a business that you're looking to make a tax write-off, you can donate to us. And, and we are a tax-exempt 501c3 organization. We can give you that tax write-off. We have the power, just like Energy Ops. Ooh, there we go. You like that? Nice. Nice. Who sponsors us, which you could also sponsor us with your business. Or if you're personal, monthly, you want to do that. Um, there's even estate stuff that's possible, yes, right? Yes, we're actually looking into estate planning. Uh, people want to pass on some, 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 some of their... Giving when they pass, that's awesome as well. We totally welcome that. So we're working on that as we speak, uh, and, and that's really cool. And we'll so. help you write your will if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a beach house? <laughs> Anyways, I'm kidding. I, the undersigned, leave all of my possessions to Self-Evident, Inc. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways, all right, you ready to get into Let's go. Let's go. The, the Irish. <laughs> so everybody, have you heard about Ireland? They had a stabbing by a totally not a migrant 50-year-old dude, even though he is a migrant and has lived off the government dole for the past 20-some-odd years. And the Irish, 
lubricated with a couple of Guinnesses, rioted <laughs> immediately. <laughs> See, when something happens, they don't take no crap. Conor McGregor came out with a pint of Guinness in his hand, saying it was time to basically declare war, which is now getting him investigated. Wow. And now Irish authorities, once they finish their Guinness, will be given access to private social uh, media conversations in order to get those pesky anti-mass migration people following the riots in Dublin. They said, and I quote, We need your conversations, all of them. What? We do not care. So basically, the government was more mad at the people who were mad about the stabbing of kids than the stabber himself. Wow. This is going to end well. So those who use private social media chats will still be under surveillance if the new hate speech legislation passes. The Irish Times reports, Gardai will be able to access and intercept private conversations on social media sites under new legislation as the justice minister promised to crack down on crime following the riots in Dublin. So glad you're cracking down on the riots as opposed to the stabbing of kids. So cracking down on riots is going through people's personal things. Yes. Why are they, why are they rioting? Is it government? Hmm. Why is it government is always doing this when it's against them? Right. Always. You're upset with us? Well, we'll crack down on you. Mm-hmm. We're going to hmm. intercept that. And we're going to deem what a riot possible conversation is. Yes. Bruh. We're going to prosecute that. And, dude, I'm telling you, that is textbook tyranny. You want to know a textbook tyranny? This. Well, we just need to prevent. And I remember Captain America said this in a, in a, in a movie. Um, he said, every time we go to war to prevent something, casualties die. Every time. I paraphrased it, but yeah. basically what he said. So crazy. And I'm not saying Captain America is a source of light here. I'm just saying it was a good line. Because that was, what was that, Civil War, right? Because they were fighting about whether to go under the jurisdiction of the government? Or no, whatever. it was the one. Which one was that, guys? It was when they saw he saw the new ships underground. When Nick Fury took him in? When uh, it was Winter Soldier? That is Winter Soldier. Yeah. I love... It's totally off topic. I love Civil War, though, because it's such a... That's a powerful theme of watching these superheroes who are supposed to save the world arguing about whether or not they should be under the authority of a government or not. Or themselves. You know, or themselves. And you hear both sides very well. It's like right. If we're not under some authority, we're going to be tyrant destroy things we're basically becoming the tyrant that we're accusing them of being yeah it's like but the tyrants that we're going to be under are going to hold us back from actually doing the right thing right it's so crazy dude it's it's amazing theme anyways it's as if the founders knew that men were inherently sinful through the scriptures so then they write this paper against the federal government saying you have this much power but not any power over the states that's why we have state governments so that they can handle it because we need government because men's passions are evil now, I know some of you are watching saying, we don't need government. That's okay. That's cool. But we do, and we're in it now. So how do we regulate it? And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And every time we say, hey, why don't we stop government instead of ourselves, it gets anyway. You're absolutely right. I'm so glad our professional producers are on the ball. Yeah. I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> All right. All right. 
So, anyways, I, I think that. Oh man, another one. Another one. They're multiplying. It's <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> anyways, so think about what's going on in Ireland. Think about the fact that now they will be able to look at your their private social media conversations, private. which our government was doing private behind closed doors. At least they weren't passing legislation about it, but you know they were just back channels and. We're watching the Irish people take a stand. And so the lesson here is maybe you need a couple of Guinnesses in you and you'll change. Bono's <laughs> the Irish are crazy, man. They'll do <laughs> they anything. They're I nuts. And I love them. I love the Irish. They're awesome. <laughs> All right. You want to do number two? Uh, so Biden buys his votes. Uh, this would be a fun fact check from Facebook. But listen, Biden can't let go of the idea of forgiving a bunch of student debt. 813,000 people are getting an email literally saying, congratulations, your student loan has been forgiven because of the actions my administration took to make sure you receive the relief you earned and deserve. Actual words from the email, mind you. We're not making that up. Continue. You earned and deserved. No, you took out a loan because you couldn't afford it. You didn't earn nothing. Okay? So let's keep going. It says here, so now we have... Uh, we have now a forgiven total of $127 billion for 3.5 million people. And I'm curious, how did they select those people? By race? By voting record? Asking for a friend here. We're just saying, like, what, what was the qualifications of them getting forgiven? What was that? What happened? Why and these, these 3.5 million people? Right? How many or of you have actually paid back your student thousand. loans from your colleges and didn't get government help? Which you shouldn't have got government help because that's not their job. To forgive loans. That is not their job yeah. at all. What they're doing is literally destroying your country. And my biggest question is, if we're going to try to get people out from under a financial burden, why do they never just announce a tax holiday? Can we ask ourselves that? Why? Think about that. We're going to forgive student loan debt to people who voluntarily took the loans. Oh, they were coerced. They had to. The you know, education... There's nothing more oversaturated than bachelor degrees in the market right now. <laughs> From a, yes. a, a card-carrying a, a, member of the bachelor degree Right. And also, cohort. too, why don't we, if, if we're going to be in the business of debt forgiving, well, let's forgive house loans. Right. Because now interest rates have gone so high, people can't buy a house. So why don't we give, forgive house loans, reduce the price of housing, if you can just do all this, right, by all way. Reduce the interest rate. What? 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 Why aren't we doing yeah, that? Can consider what happened in two thousand eight. Right, the government was pushing home loans to people that shouldn't have gotten them, and the government was backing it, and then it collapsed. Oh, so you are in the game of backing loans. Why can't? Why is it the students, the the people with student loans? Why them? Like you said, why not the house owners? Why can't we get a break? You remember in two thousand eight? I remember uh, my friends who had a loan. They were paying their stuff on time. Yeah. The ones who didn't got relief. Right. What about the ones who right. are paying on time? They're okay? Like, they don't need your relief? That And that's what's so frustrating to me is, like, you ever notice the relief goes to the people you would say who need it the most? I would say... Irresponsible. Who, have, who are the most irresponsible. I'm, I'm not saying that you didn't need... In every case. Yeah, you're not saying that in every yeah, case. Yeah. But isn't it funny that the middle-class guy that's getting by barely... But he's getting by, who has his house, who has his reasonable vehicles. He's trying to feed his family. He's just trying to go to work, do his 
do his thing, pay his taxes. That guy never gets relief. Truth. You may say, well, that guy might have had a student loan. Yeah, he might have. But, man, that's a wide dragnet because guess what? There are Harvard lawyers that are applying for these student loan forgiveness things. Why does it have to be? I, I find it so fascinating that it's the student loans we keep going after. Right. And, and they made the choice to take on the debt. They're the ones who made the choice. Nobody was putting a gun to your head to go to college. No. And in but, fact, but we have to to get a job. None of you are getting a job. That's why you can't pay back your student loans. Right. It's Ain't none of you getting a job. It's called trade school. It's called trade school. You mean work? Wait. I, you mean I have to work? I have to work? I have to go operate a crane or maybe get welding or no, plumber? Or, I can't do that. Why? Because I'm not blue collar. You know, some people slam a lot of these jobs, like making coffee and baristas. But, dude, these independent companies that are popping up, mm -hmm. they're killing it right now. Like, yeah. what is wrong with you starting your own company? And the fact is, if you could pay back your loan, you would do it. But the fact that you can't get a job is proving you shouldn't even go to college in the first place. These indoctrination centers, we were just talking about this in the last podcast with Disney, indoctrinating kids and all these other things. Well, shoot, that's what's happening now in colleges, what's well, been happening for a long time. But we're sending our kids to freaking these in institutions that are destroying their mentality. They're destroying their mind. They're telling kids that they're victims now. They're no longer overcomers. They're victims. Every one of them is a victim. Every one of them. Is that the kind of thing you want for your kids? Because that's what they're teaching them. You want to go to a college, dude? Go for it. But it's on you. And it's so stupid now they're taking tax money to go do this. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's buying votes. It's exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. The whole, whole organization of government knows what they're doing. Yeah. And, and let's really put this clear, this comparison, okay? Because you may say, well, you know, people, they're, they're stuck under student loan debt and they had to take tens of thousands of dollars to graduate. Okay, let's take that. We're going to call her Jane. Jane takes out $30,000, $40,000 in student loans in order to get her liberal arts degree. Massey and I don't have any student debt, which we don't. Massey and I work. We pay our taxes. We own our homes. We're doing our things. Why is Jane des more deserving of my money and Massey's money than me. Because what you're saying is Jane's thirty to forty thousand dollars worth of debt trumps me keeping the dollars in my pocket. That you need to siphon money out of our pockets to pay off her debts that she took. That's insane. And Massey's face says it all. For you on audio, I'm sorry. You missed it. There there is something absolutely wrong and the problem is when we draw these massive generalizations of oh we're helping 813,000 people you forget the individual examples in that when in reality if you paid attention to the individual examples why does Jane deserve our dollars more than we do I mean Biden said it you deserve it and you've earned it that drives me nuts earned I, what I hate those words I deserve you deserve. You earned. What'd you earn? Debt? You earned debt. I wonder how many Christian college kids got their debt forgiven. Ooh. Questions. And they shouldn't have because the Christian knows personal responsibility by the grace of God. Amen.
they shouldn't get their. As a matter of fact, if any Christian out there, true Christian, said they got this email, you know what they should say? No, dude, I'm good. I'll pay off my own debts. That's mm-hmm. what the Bible says to do. Own a man anything. Own a man anything. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. So self evidence had to go through a lot of restructuring. We've had to do a lot of things. I had to take out a loan, all these other things. I'm paying it back. I'm not looking for a handout here. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was through COVID, which was a farce. And I could have easily gone and done the PPP crap, and I didn't do it. I could have easily done all this other shit. We didn't do it. And We didn't do any of it. And let me say this. If you're asking, well, why would you guys need a loan? We saw touring dry up. Mm. And touring is a big part of the finances that roll in. I don't think people understand. They see us on stage with the nice shirt, the coat, and we're speaking well and confidently because we're awesome. And word, word, and people think, oh, they must be doing well. There's that automatic assumption that, oh, well, they're here, they're traveling, they must be doing awesome. When you don't see the the bottom of the iceberg, you just see the tip. You don't, like we've talked about, you don't see the sleeping in truck stop parking lots. You don't see the flat tires. You don't see the missed meals. You don't see the two hours of sleep. You don't see the crazy 10-hour straight drives. What you see is us presenting to you as well as we can. And what I mean by that is I'm I'm not looking for pity party. What I'm saying is we took the loan because we lost out a bunch of revenue that we, that's how we earn our money. Now we push monthlies because monthlies help stabilize us more so than one times. And we're very thankful for the one times. We're very grateful for those. But the monthlies help us stabilize. The Stanley Cup. Yep, Stanley Cup. Every, every <laughs> Everyone's got a Stanley Sorry, Cup. inside joke. Anyways, so please understand that loan. Don't be going, oh, well, you guys are railing against loans, and then you take one. We had to do it in order for us to we're survive, not, we're and we're not paying railing, it back. We're not railing against loans here. I'm not railing against it at all. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. I'm not railing against no, I'm loans. I'm glad you're I, clarifying. Yeah, loans aren't the issue here. It's me taking the responsibility of paying it back. And some of you say that was a stupid move. You should have trusted God. I did. We did. We prayed. That's what I did. And he's blessed it ever since. And it's okay. And the loan wasn't huge. It was a small loan. Right. We're paying it back over time. God's good. And we're going to do great. And the ministry's growing. And we're doing fine. And, and, but we're taking ownership of it. We're taking ownership of it because that's what we're supposed to do. And this is how corporations and businesses are run. We're a nonprofit organization. That's how we run. Man, so, I, could, I could get in deep on anyways. that. Anyways. <laughs> no, I'm throwing it out there. Why is it okay for a company to ask for investors? Because at points, companies need capital shot in, in the order arm. to do what they need to do. Right. They need a shot in the arm. We need investors. Stock market is based on... Pay some money, own a little bit of the company. Well, what does that paying the money do? It helps put a shot in the arm of the company, right? So we as a nonprofit, instead of investors, we have partners, we have supporters, right? Who, when they give that shot in the arm, it helps us go do what we need to do. Great point. And sometimes we don't have the the, uh, The grassroots capital, so... We may have to go get a loan in order to hold us by until things pick up again. Yeah, that, and that's that that's the nature of the game. I don't think people always understand the nonprofit world. I think they tend to assume the nonprofit world is you start a nonprofit, 
everything's gravy. <laughs> Donations know? come in. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Trust me. Okay, we're done beating anyway. up on people. Anyways, you want to do the third one or just get into Let's it? Let's just get into yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about this, and, and I do want to swing this into something more of a new topic. I said something to Massey last night, and we were like, we should cover that. Let's do it. And the idea is, I said to him, because I was talking to a young adult, and I said this to the young adult, and then I'll get into a little bit of the story to give context. I said, sometimes you need frustration to get revelation. Truth. There's your Facebook post. Sometimes you need frustration to get revelation. And I think we hold it over our, set, our own heads that if we get frustrated, something's wrong. And we talked about the whole wrestling with God idea of sometimes you've got you've to really struggle, right? And frustration is included in that. I was talking to this young adult who recently had a massive revelation and realized that they weren't seeing things properly in how they related to God, their relationship with God. And so they were seeing everything around it in terms of church, Christianity, all of that, as they, they were very hypercritical. And I had many breakfasts with this person about their hypercritical nature of worship, of teachings, of all of that. And they came to me and said, no, I had massive revelation of like, my worship is my relationship with God. And the more intimate I am with God, and the more at peace and contentment I am with God, worship, say in music, becomes an outgrowth of that. Bingo. I'm not reliant on that in order for my relationship. It doesn't have to Amen. be more reverent or more up. Like, my worship is my worship with the Lord, and if the song is reverent, that's an outgrowth. If the song is up, that's an outgrowth of that relationship. And this person apologized to me and said, you know, I, I want to apologize for the many long, drawn-out breakfasts where I was just complaining and railing. And I said, well, I, I don't know that you need to apologize. I said, and that, that was where it hit me. It was like, sometimes you need frustration to get the revelation. And I'm not giving carte blanche to just be frustrated with God all the time. Because I think that the difference is, are you frustrated in your pride and backing away from the Lord? Or are you frustrated trying to figure out the answer and going towards him? Yeah, backing away from the Lord creates you to a victim mentality. And and Ooh, when you're that's a good difference. So 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 when you're when you're an overcomer, you're seeking the things of God, you're seeking truth. And sometimes you're like, Lord, I see it. I just don't understand it. You get frustrated with like, why don't others see what I see? Or why don't people walk this way? Or why don't people do this? And I think those are cool things because your personal preference is important like how you read and worship how you pray how you those are all personal things that got and I, I I believe the Holy Spirit is so cool about this he reaches us exactly where we're at so each one of us prays each one of us reads each one of us seeks in a different way mm-hmm. we don't all do it the same now I get ideas from other friends but like ultimately it's the way I seek the Lord and what happens though is we take that to the church and say well the church should be doing this why aren't they doing it this way and it's like, because the DNA of the church is doing what it's supposed to do. And the leader of that church has that DNA. So either you fit with that DNA or you don't. Now, frustration comes with, but Lord, I really want to see this. I really want to see more. I'm just going with an example. Upbeat worship. I really want to see more of that, just where we're chanting your name and praising the Lord. 
And it's like, okay, well then pray that in. Like, Lord, you know, can can you, the church I go to, I love and all this other stuff, can you help me maybe if we don't see that, Lord, maybe at my home time, help me develop that so that when I'm at church, it's more reverent and I understand that and I can walk in that and do that when I'm there. When I'm home, help me be that that side of worship so I'm content, so I'm filled up in my tank. And I think people, the, the frustration grows when, well, how come I, you know, they don't see it my way? Well, it has nothing to do with your way, right? It has nothing to do with that. Uh, James 1 actually talks about knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. What, what does the word Ooh, trying mean? Great. That's great. It's a struggle. It's it's your faith is being tested constantly. Your 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 walk is being tested continuously. Dude, Jesus even said, uh, 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 check yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Examine yourselves, prove yourselves. Go go to the Lord and say, Lord, try me and know every way about me. Test me and know my thoughts. Like, go to my deepest inward parts and test me. Try me. Am I really with you, Lord? Do I really have a relationship with you? Do I have a standard with you? Do I do I walk with you, Lord, in the cool of the day? Am I constantly? And 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 those things are dealt with at home. Those frustrations are dealt with at home. When you're with the global body, it's about them, not you. And I think that's where we miss it. We're supposed to esteem one another in truth. We're supposed to decrease that God would increase. So when we're with the body, we're out there to give to them something they don't have. We're out to bless them. Sometimes I think we go to church and we look for what we need. You should be getting that at home in your prayer time, in your closet time, in your word time, and all those other things. And your frustration comes when you're trying to get personal things to me. And I've heard it because I've heard it so many times. We're trying to go to church to get what we need personally. When that should be home, we should be there to reverence the Lord, to worship, to receive a word from the from the preacher, the pastor, whatever you have there as a leader, the apostle, whatever you have going on, the prophetic word, something. Then the Lord blesses you because you've received at home, and the word that's given to you should be confirming what you're hearing at home. And too many times we get frustrated, I believe, because we're trying to get revelation and a word from God from an outside source rather than him himself. Right. And I think, I think what frustration is where where it becomes healthy, right, or a, it's, it's a healthy process, is you have your pride, you have the way you look at things, and your pride gets scraped. Man, pride is subtle, bro. Right? It's, it's so, so subtle. subtle. And, and we don't understand that because we think pride is just this arrogant <laughs> boastfulness. Yeah, devil with pitchforks. Yeah. Pride is so subtle. And actually, Mike gave me... He and I were talking in... in we were talking about the word conceit, right? Mm. The arrogance, conceit. And we don't use that word ever. And it caught me when he and I were talking about it. It was like, that word never gets thrown around, conceit. Because if we use it, we're, we're like that evil, wicked, sinner, arrogant ruler is full of conceit. How many of us are? Which is really just a, like <laughs> an arrogance. It's a pride. It's a fleshliness of... Pfft. You don't need I, to teach me. I know better. Thank you. Conceited. You're conceited. You don't receive correction. You don't receive instruction. Um, and I can promise you this. If you're not willing to receive correction from a brother, you're not receiving correction from the Word, and that's straight scriptural. All scripture is profitable for doctrine. It's inspired by God. Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That the man of God, you, might be thoroughly furnished to good works and perfect. Perfected, I should say. So if you're not receiving correction at home from the Lord, from his word, David did that, right? Right? then you're not going to be able to receive correction from a brother. And that's where conceit comes. Exactly. And I think frustration is an outgrowth of conceit, arrogance, and pride getting challenged. 
And the question is what you do with that frustration, right? Because, oh, cool. See what I mean? Like, I'm with you. I'm, pride, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Pride, conceit, arrogance hurts when Whew. it gets poked. Frustration arises. What you do with that frustration matters. That frustration can either lead you to the point where you explode and then you release and then you get revelation. Or frustration will drive you away from the Lord. How many times have we, I don't understand what you're doing, God. And we have our little fit and we finally take a deep breath. And that's when the pride and the arrogance and the conceit have subsided enough to where our heart is open to hear the Lord go, you don't understand my character. And you go, oh, you're right. I, I don't get it. <laughs> go ahead. No. So I'm thinking of the potter and the clay, right? I'm thinking scripture where he says, don't say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Well, the potter can make you how you want. You're clay. And if you're not willing to be moldable, you're going to get frustrated by what he's doing. Now, listen, this is a definition of frustration. I'm thinking of clay. You have to break it, like take it out of its brick. I don't know if you guys have ever worked with clay. Have you worked with clay before? And you take it out of the box and you got to cut it. And it's just this giant square. And it's not like it's it's hard. So you got to put water on it, massage it, frustrate it. Mm, that's good. You have man. to frustrate the clay before. And how many times have you worked with clay? And I'm looking at Grace over here. How many times have you worked with clay and it didn't come out? Hi, Grace. It didn't come out the way you wanted it to. So you get mad and you're like, ah, you know, you're frustrated, right? Because... The clay is not doing, it's not meeting your expected end. The reason we get frustrated is because it has not met your expectation. Thank you. Right? So the word frustrate means this, literally to break or interrupt. Hence to defeat, to disappoint, to balk, to bring to nothing, as to frustrate a plan, to disappoint, to make null, to nullify. When you take a piece of clay, you're literally taking its square shape, making it into a shape. Well, what do you do with that square? You break the shape. And if we're willing to be clay and be moldable, we're not going to be frustrated. Lord, I'm willing. You make me how you want to make me. That's a hard place to be if you're a real Christian. You know the cost that takes. And you're willing to do it at whatever cost. You're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be willing and obedient, not just obedient. I fear people get frustrated because they're willing to be obedient but not willing to be obedient. They're, they're obedient, but they're not willing to be obedient. Go with that, because right? people need to understand the right. difference. So obedience is the act of, I'm just going to do what they want me to do. It's the law. A willingness to be obedient is grace. Okay, I'm, I'm now submitting my will. I'm walking in the power of grace to be obedient to that thing. The law justifies me in obedience, just simple obedience, right? Grace justifies you through the merits of Christ. I obey because of what Christ did to me. So I'm not only obedient, I'm willing and obedient. I'm willing. My, 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 my mind, my, my, my heart posture is this gratitude to be obedient. It's not just obedient to be obedient. And I think a lot of people obey, but they do it, and they get frustrated because the willingness isn't there to change themselves. They want to change others. So your frustration sometimes comes because you want to change others instead of yourself. When you're willing and obedient, you're changing first. Everything about you changes first. You decrease so that he can increase. And I've been really on this line. He must decrease that I might increase. Other way around. I'm sorry. He must <laughs> increase that I might decrease. Or whatever. You know what he's saying. The thing. The thing with the stuff. I must decrease that he might increase. And, and I've been thinking a lot about that, that we're literally told to deny ourselves daily. Take up your cross daily. Follow me daily. It's not, it's not a thing where I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take my cross up today and that lasts me the week. 
It's literally every day, are you willing to put down your will for his? And if you are, then you're the clay that's in his hands, willing to be molded. You're willing to be meek enough to say, Lord, mold me how you want to make me. And you know what that means? It frustrates your plans. Yeah. It frustrates your daily thinking. It frustrates how you think about a person. It frustrates how you think about your work and your job. What if you hate your job and the Lord says, says to you finally, shut your mouth and obey out of a willing heart? What if he tells you to do that? And you're like, oh, dang. I don't know if I can do that because I've been complaining to my employees the whole time. The whole time I've been here, I've been complaining to them. Cool. So from now on, I'm going to set you on a course where you don't do that, and they're going to see the change in you. And when you change, they're going to change. Shut up. A lot of the times, our frustrations are shut up. Just shut your mouth and let the Lord do what he's doing to you. That's And frustration creates revelation. It's so true that so often our mouths get us in trouble because how Dude. often we, we've talked about this, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, and and I've I've really been getting convicted, and so is this guy. Of our mouths are getting us into Gosh. trouble. I said to Melissa last night, I was like, and I apologized. Of <laughs> I want to set the environment in my house. Truth, and I do not want my house to be a negative, critical environment. And I know yeah, you need to I, stop that. I really do. It's horrible, awful. I've. <laughs> God, it's dumb. There it is. There it is. No, but a lot of times I use humor to criticize. And I, I love humor. I love sarcasm. I love dark humor. But I need to be careful because where's my heart in that? Because humor can become a very easy vehicle to criticize and rant about something where if I didn't use humor, I wouldn't say it. And I apologize to her of like, okay, I have to be very careful of my words. I've got to start watching my words because my words have power. Because in what environment am I creating? Truth. If, if I'm being critical, if I'm being verbose in my complaints and my, my, my frustrations and my negativity, what does that do? It creates it in my family. It does. And then all of a sudden, my family's language is like that. Yep. And I realize that. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I appreciate so much the idea of sometimes you just have to sit down and shut up. Yep. We, we have an opinion about everything. We do. We're not just us, all of us, you. We have an opinion about everything. We have an opinion about the football team that played on Sunday. We have an opinion about the band that <laughs> played last night on the radio. We have an opinion about what our boss is doing, what our coworker is doing. We have an opinion about the ministry over there. We have an opinion about that YouTuber and that YouTuber and that podcaster. We've got an opinion about everything. You know what's crazy about that? The Bible even says to bless those who curse you. How come we don't bless those that haven't even done anything to us? We don't even know, but we curse them anyway by our words, right? We sometimes curse a leader who's done nothing to you, mm -hmm. but he's not leading the way we want him to lead. And I mentioned this in a sermon I just did about football. Like, we, we, we're the best coaches on our chairs, on our, on our couches. You know, why did, why did they run that? They should have run this. They, why are they running again? They should have thrown a pass. And just because you play Madden doesn't mean you're a good coach. Just because you read some scriptures doesn't mean you're a good leader. It just means you haven't led yet, and you see it in scripture, and the, the pastor is actually doing that thing in scripture. You're just not seeing it happen. You're, and, and a lot of the times, I think people get frustrated with churches because they feel something is off in the church and has nothing to do with scripture. It's their personal preference. It's flesh. Yeah. And I, I've, I've said it before, and you know this. I, you, you're with me. So every time I've had to confront somebody, I've taken them to prayer or I've talked to counsel because what if it's my personal opinion and not the spirit? What if there's something off in me that I'm going to go confront in the flesh and it's not the spirit? 
Dude, if you do that, God's not blessing that flesh stuff. He blesses the spirit stuff, but he ain't blessing the flesh stuff. So if you're walking around in the flesh, you're frustrated constantly. Why doesn't our church do this? Why don't people do that? And there are sometimes good frustrations. I think there are frustrations that God brings us to in prayer where it's like, Lord, I'm not leaving until you bless me. I'm going to keep pursuing this until you bless me. I believe that a lot of our fleshy frustrations, God will let us come to the end of ourselves to get rid of our flesh. Exactly. He'll let us come to the end of ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I'm done. Finally, I'll shut up. And he was like, I was waiting for you to do that. Now here's a revelation. Exactly. I was waiting for you to shut your mouth. And God bless you. And that's that's the exact point is we get frustrated in our flesh. Yep. And what we're saying is go towards him and allow him to to overcome that frustration. So hit that point of where you you hit your top max frustration, yep. you let it out, yep. and then you take that deep breath, and then yep. the Lord can finally say, okay, now you're quiet enough to where I can talk. Totally. Because almost guaranteed he was talking before that, but you weren't listening. Yep. I know it was true for me, yep. and I've watched it in my own life, and I, I watched it in this young adult's life. And there's, there's one point I wanted to make, and we'll round it out. You were you were kind of hitting into this obedience versus a joyful, willful obedience. And I think one of the problems with frustration is we put the cart before the horse. And what I mean by that, and one of the revelations that I'm getting from the Lord right now is, what does it mean to actually do things out of love for him? We so often tell ourselves, oh, I'm doing it because I love the Lord. Are we, though? Right. If you take an actual yeah. accounting, are you actually doing it because you love the Lord and its outgrowth of that, or because you love the thing, mm. or because you're pursuing the thing, whether it's ministry, whether it's it's work, whether it's artistic ability, hobbies, even ministry? This is the whole reason that Paul talks about whatever you do, do it in love. True. Yeah. Nailed because it. anything without love... It's, it's just works. Way to go. And, Good word. And this young adult that I was talking to, I was saying, you gathered a bunch of head knowledge. I said, there's two types of people. Most of us are the ones who get the whole head knowledge, and our head is full. There's a slow drip into our heart of experience that then informs the head knowledge. And so then the head knowledge actually, like, it, it makes sense because it's connected to the heart knowledge, the experience. There are other, are other people who have it the opposite. They get the heart experience, they get the connection, and then they have to get the words to actually define what they're feeling. You know what I mean? Got it, yep. And so that some people, there's a drip upwards. They get full of this, and then they start learning things and getting knowledge. And a lot of times, those people will have kind of a crash. It's like, what does this even mean? Why am I even doing this? Is God even real, right? But if they push through that, the all the stuff that was in their heart starts to make sense as they gain head knowledge. I was one of the head knowledge people who had to have the heart experiences and the revelations in order to understand all of this. Because I can tell you the scripture, and I can tell you what it means, and I can tell you the context, but man, it's taken years of walking with the Lord for me to experience it to where when I read the scripture, I go, ooh, I know exactly what he's talking about. It's good. I don't just teach this. I know it. Yeah, and, and we all go through that. I think right. I'm more of the heart first than... Than figuring out the head knowledge? <laughs> I kind of zeal with no knowledge. That's me. Uh, but we, I do have moments of memorizing Scripture, learning Scripture, and mm -hmm. I have no idea. But I'm preaching it like I know it. Right. 
Exactly. You see what I'm saying? Yep, so like you exactly. talk out of turn and your faith doesn't produce patience. And I believe God even said that your faith produced, the trying every faith produces patience. You know why? When you have patience in your faith, you're not going to speak out of turn on things you don't know. When you walk in patience with your faith, you're going to be able to speak out of the testimony that's been given to you. You can't do that until the testimony has been given. So you've gone through the test fully, and then you can actually experience it, then preach out of that testimony. That's where patience comes in. I'm not just going to give a revelation of a scripture that I think it should be. Let it marinate in your heart first, then give it to the people. And then it's going to have life in it. It's going to have the experience, the joy of it, the spirit of it, the hurt of it. And people are going to be like, man, I can relate to that. Yep, there it is. That's the spirit of God. He broke through. He's breaking chains. That's when the chain breaker comes through is when you're broken inside from all the stuff and you can experience scripture from yourself for yourself. I was there too. Yeah. Dude, many and, years. And the, still there sometimes. I think. The revelation I'm having, especially right now, is I was thinking about all these people come to Christ to get fed, to get healed, whatever. And you and I had a little bit of conversation about the whole co- topic of healing, right? Yeah. The, the reason behind it. And all these people come to get healed, they get fed, blah, blah, blah. They're there for that. They're there for the healing. They're there for the feeding. And Christ gives it to them, fully recognizing that most of those people won't love him. They're only there for that. They're only there for that. They'll love the effect of him. Look at the 10 lepers. He heals 10 lepers. One comes back. The rest of them just go off, right? And I think that's a lot of people go to Christ, not because it's him, because he'll produce something. And so then we chase after that production or that experience or that encounter or whatever, never fully immersing ourselves in understanding what it means to actually love Christ. Because would you truly love Christ if he didn't offer you food and healing? Would you still be there with him no matter what through thick and thin? And what I'm, I'm coming through the revelation of, and it hit me so deeply, is I want to know what it means to truly love Christ. And I'm not just using language. I mean experience. Truly love Christ to where everything I do is a beautiful outgrowth in joy. Amen. For him. Kind of like if if you absolutely love your wife and you wake up and you just can't wait to make her a cup of coffee. Not because she's going to give you praise, not because she's going to then give you $10. It's out of love yeah, and you reverence her. for her. Mm-hmm. You, there's nothing in it that you're looking to gain out of. It's just, I love you so much and I couldn't wait to give this to you. I want that type of reverence for the Lord Amen. in everything I do. That's good. And it's fine. You can point the finger at me and say, how could you be in ministry and not love the Lord that much? I just realize, God, I, I realize how far I am. Right? Yeah, I don't think people think like that. Right? I really do think that we're growing daily, grace to grace, glory to glory. I think we're learning more of ourselves. So there's seasons, right? You're like, man, I really do love the Lord. You kind of get into the mundane. Right. You realize, oh my gosh, I'm in the mundane. I need to love the Lord. And it's... Those seasons, okay, Lord, I'm learning. I was in the mundane for a long time. I was just going through the, not going through the motions. I don't think it's going through the motions. Autopilot, that's what it's I It's autopilot, it. yeah, autopilot. it's the mundane. And, yeah. and, and and if you're a creative or whatever, mundane is hard to submit to, uh-huh. very hard. But you learn so much through the mundane that if you're willing to learn the lesson, you won't hate it. Be like, okay, in the mundane is the Lord's there too. And, and how do you see him through right. all of it? Right, like in the mundane, bro, like if you're not willing to listen, you're missing out on ministry opportunities for the people that are in the mundane with you. 
You're ministering on, you're missing out on ministry opportunities for their marriages, their families, uh, your own prayer life. Like you may, the reason a lot of your life is mundane is you've created it to be mundane. Every day should be full mm. of life, new bread. God's given you revelation. So like if there's a mundane, break up your monotony then with prayer. Break up your monotony with praise. Instead of going to the lunchroom to go eat your food, go to your car and start worshiping and eat your food. You know what I mean? Break up your money. You do it, right? You, the Bible says to break up your fallow ground. You break up your fallow ground. And uh, how much would we see, great language, uh, we would see depression, anxiety, sadness, absolutely minimize. I'm not saying disappear completely, yeah. but... I was thinking about it in my own household, the environment and all that. Not that the environment is horrible or anything like that, but I was walking around this morning, chipper. Actually, I got home last night. I had a rough day yesterday, and I was telling you about it. it started with five fires, <laughs> ended with 40, right? It's one of those things where you play whack-a-mole, but then the mole splits into 10 more moles, and so then you're batting. That was it, awesome. Just exponential growth. I get, I get home, and I'm in a good mood. And I realize the events and environment that I'm dealing with does not have to rob me of my joy. And we walk so often in that emotional blackmail. It's not worth your peace. Now, I'm not saying, so just buck up and be happy. But the more you walk with the Lord and the deeper you go in loving Him, the less that type of stuff is going to affect you. And the more you'll be able to influence the environment around you as opposed to just being a passive consumer of the environment. Mm. So, I hope that helps somebody. Oh, one of you got something out of it. <laughs> but All right. Thank you so much, guys. We love you all. Do not forget to go to theselfevidenttruth.com, get yourself some merch, and check out the year-end newsletter. By all means, become a torchbearer. Become part of our monthly sponsorship program. One-time donations. If you're a business, we are a tax write-off, so you can donate to us. We have sponsorships available for the podcast. If you want to do an alternative sponsorship, you can do that. Check us out, guys. We love all of you. We're so grateful for you. Help us feed our children. Yeah. <laughs> I will remember you. I That's so bad. <laughs> love you guys. Have a great week. Okay, boys.